YT Productions. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And man, yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she's tired. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talking Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talking they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention, boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. Yes. And you gon' learn today, you gon' learn today how your team they play, play they play, how they play, boy. You gon' learn today how your team they play, they play they play, how they play play, yeah. We represent that swag, that me yak, and let me say say what's up to Tennessee State State. Tune into the agency sports lab with Dr. This is Doc Cavill inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. And as you know, for our Sunday edition, we bring in none other than the football analyst. Some call him the football guru. And I'm sure others call him all other types of names, but we don't have to repeat that on this show because he <laughs> is the man, the myth, and the legend. And guess what? I'm sure for you all that haven't seen it, we are delighted and excited because now he is officially a member of the BCSN team. Man, he was a hot free agent, and we went into the marketplace and got him. His show is every Wednesday at 6 o'clock, two hours. BJ Jones, is that correct? So yeah, that we're is going six two hours. Six to eight, you will get all you need to know, in-depth knowledge of football, and, you know, he is just the guy to keep it live as well. So that's the kind of spirit we got going on. Man, we got a full team, and that is none other than B.J. Jones. How you doing? Man, doing pretty good, man. We had football yesterday, man, so all is good. No doubt about it. And then we got A.D. Drew driving the truck from the back end, but, you know, he's multi-talented. Sometimes we bring him on. He just got off the road, literally, as he was down there in Florida to make sure that you can get – most of all, because like you said here, we only talk. We don't just talk about the major division. Now we'll spend a little more time on that because that's what a lot of people want. But we're gonna touch on all the HBCU football. That means he's gonna give you front and center insight from down there in Florida, Jacksonville for the Edward Waters Florida Memorial matchup, which was a thriller. I won't spoil it. But with that said, Eddie Drew, how you doing it this morning? I'm doing fine. And the Big Cat Classic, at least for the fourth quarter, lived up to the hype. No doubt about it. We'll get in a little more into it. Let me go back to my team extraordinaire. Mike will be on the back end. He's literally flying as he was down there in Atlanta, making sure that you can get the most of that insight like none other. So he was in the house there. He'll be in on the back end of the show to give us, you know, the special insight of what he thought about all the 
sights and scenes in terms of the MEAC Swag Challenger, like we like to say in East Park, Swag MEAC Challenge. With that, we have Charles as he gives up because he's heading out back to Florida, down there in the deep part in Miami with his team, with the pregame show, Charles Bishop and Neely as they'll drive that shut. And so I even teased out a little bit there. Florida A&M, Jackson State, Swag, that is a matchup. Mike and I will be right here for the Labor Day Classic to make sure you get all that information. And no telling where B.J. Jones is because he's the magic. Follow him on Wednesday. He'll let you know. He'll let you know. With that being on, how you doing, Charles? I'm doing well, Doc. I mean, uh, it's football season. We're up and going. And this promises to be a great, great year. Looking forward to it. I like that. That's twice we've even heard that. So you know we're serious over here. It's football season. <laughs> With that being said, let's go back to you, A.D. Drew. Um, and just talk about that game. But before you do that, I know you wanted to get a little insight in terms of Ken Rashad's article uh, that really touched the nerve with some. I thought it was a great article, personally. I thought he put it out there, and it means that anytime you get folks lathered up and talk and they want to provide some other scenarios, other angles, means you did a good job because people are talking about it and research, in my opinion, is about that, meaning that you set it up, on a tee so people will take a deeper dive and look a little deeper at the numbers and maybe find different angles to do that. And you want to do that now, Drew. So what are your thoughts on First that of all, article, shout article out we referenced? Just for those that don't know, it's oh. the article that Ken Rashad did at HBCU Sports that looked at historically white colleges, as I call it, he said PWIs, um, in terms of the average attendance of games between uh, 1990 and the 2000s in regards to over a 10-year period, looking at those matchups, and he saw his reported was a significant gap. Over 25% was the difference between what historically white colleges had at home for their home attendance, which is like at a 70-plus percent, um, and then HBCUs at their home attendance was just under 50%. Take it away, Drew. Uh, first of all, shout out to Ken Rashad and his staff for putting those numbers together. As uh, somebody with an economics background, I do have a degree in economics, you know, numbers are my things. And when I look at statistical analyses like this, you know, it it intrigues me. You know, I I see numbers in ways that other people can't see and can't understand numbers. So with that, be, with that being said, though, as an economist, I also know that you could make numbers say what you want to say in a statistical analysis. Hold yeah. on. That's a tease. I'll put that tease right there. The famous poet Jay-Z said, women lie, men lie, numbers don't. You're taking umbrage to that and you're saying, hold on, not too fast, those men and women can actually make the numbers say what they want, meaning they can make the numbers lie. The numbers don't lie, but the numbers can have a slant. No so. doubt about it. So welcome to episode 171 of Inside the HBC Sports Live radio show and podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC sports from institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on HBC sports culture and HBC athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, B.J. Jones, 
and always dropping in and driving the machine. And you'll see him throughout the season as none other than A.D. Drew. So he's literally part of the team, especially for our Sunday edition. We are filming from our home studios. Um, and that is literally across the country because that's what we are able to do. Uh, KCH 1230 AM studios is where during the week we send our live studio uh, with the Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, who's driving this as well. But I am in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. With that, A.D. Drew, as we tease that out a little bit, what are you saying? Well, like, like I said, you could make you, – if you do it right, you could take – you could take and, – and, and I'm getting nerdy just like y'all did on Thursday, uh, going back to Thursday's show. You could take the numbers and tilt an equation to make it appear – how you want it to appear. Hey, ha, ha, I won't say half the research I did when I was in school and grad student and some of the papers I wrote, but you don't tell on yourself. One, don't tell on yourself. <laughs> you find that one thing, and then sometimes you go back and make the equation fit the outcome that you're looking for. Sometimes you work it backwards. So with that being said, when I looked at those numbers, and I'm just going straight by the numbers that were presented in the article, the first thing that stuck out to me was, yes, we know HBCU fans travel. They're going to go support their teams on the road, which is kind of, which is where I think does this article may have been slanted to. But when you look at the stadium capacities, and like Mike said, you try to normalize some of the numbers. If 25 of the 32 matchups that were presented, and when I say matchup, that's both the home and away. I'm considering that one matchup. 25 of the 32 matchups, or 78.1%, the HBCU had the largest stadium. So with the HBCU having the largest stadium, just on the pure numbers, if you got 10,000 in a 15,000 capacity stadium, or 10,000 in a 25,000 capacity stadium, the percentage appears lower in that 25,000 capacity stadium versus in that 15,000 capacity stadium. And let's be real. Most HBCUs build their stadium for two things. They make their stadium capacity in order to handle homecoming and if they have a classic in their stadium. The other other three, four home games, they could care less about the attendance. Those are the two that they want that stadium for. For I digress on on point number one. Great points there, BJ Jones. I did want to ask you what, if any, particular thoughts you had on this article from a football analyst perspective. That is, oh man, one of the things that really jumped out, and Ad Drew just hit my first point. I wanted to make stadium capacity. You have to factor that in. Um, if you look at the FCS stadiums, the larger uh, capacity stadiums are in, in the Southwestern Athletic Conference uh, and amongst the HBCUs. Uh, so, you know, we have those stadiums that are over, you know, 20, uh, you know, 20,000 fans and, and so forth. Also, you also have to look at HBCU culture. All right. Um, I know I started my career at a PWI. I know that when, UAB has Alabama State in their FBS, but it, it, it's the same way with other PWIs. I know when UAB has Alabama State on the schedule, Alabama a and on the schedule, fam, you coming up on the schedule. I know that now for that game, 
you're going to get people involved in that game that won't be involved in any other games. For example, if you're a PWI, HBCU coming to town, all of a sudden it's Black Alumni Weekend. It doesn't matter the PWI, you know, your Divine Nine Greeks are out. Uh, it's almost like, you know, PWI uh, homecoming, all right? Because, you know, the HBCU is coming to town. So you're going to get that extra boo- boost because you're going to have some of your own fans that don't normally tune in, i.e. like this weekend. Troy, this is their Black homecoming weekend. Why? Because Southern's coming to town, all right? So you're going to get people involved in that game that's not necessarily there. Uh, and on the return side, uh, when those schools come to HBCUs, uh, you know, a lot of our fans, to be honest with you, aren't excited. Uh, there's this the HBC, HBCU experience is all encompassing. It's not just the football; it's the band, it's the tailgating, uh, it's all of that. It's that culture that we have. That culture, for the most part, is unique to HBCUs. Especially when you talk talk about FCS schools, who the the big FBS school in the state. Usually, it, it, it's the, the thing. Uh, so when we don't have that, and the other school doesn't bring that same flavor to us, we even lose a couple of our fans. Because I've seen fans say, hey, I don't want to play them. You know, they don't travel. They don't do this. They don't do that. So I think, you know, there's multiple factors that tie into that. I really agree with both of y'all, shockingly, as you may think about it. And I think you make excellent points. I will say this on the back end as we get prepared to go to the break and then we'll come back and let Drew uh, follow up with his second point before we actually get into some breakdown of the matchup, particularly in this case, Edward Waters of Florida Memorial. My biggest point when you do studies like this is not necessarily to get mixed in the grind in regards to a slant on the article or who's trying to look bad, but from a THG agency consulting business perspective, I think this is extremely important for the athletic directors. Uh, We've heard uh, Roman Banks at Southern University, one of the things he talks about when he negotiates his contracts, whether it's classic events, whether it's looking at who he's going to bring home for games, trying to seek to play more home games, uh, games that his fans like to attend, or when he's negotiating with historically white colleges at the FCS, particularly at the FBS level, He makes sure that he negotiates from a place of strength, understanding that his fans travel and that there is a said number of fans that will provide an electric atmosphere for the historically white colleges. And so he makes sure that financially he takes into uh, the framework of getting that money that is allotted to him. And that's more important to me is from a business perspective. Not to get lost in the fact of whether our fans like this or don't like this, but this is a business. And so we need to understand and have data uh, from a business perspective, which is one thing unique from an economics perspective that Drew is talking about. Oftentimes cities uh, do their economics um, so they know a business uh, angle to take in regards to negotiating contracts. And so I think that's more important about this that hopefully our athletic directors, VPs of athletics, take this into consideration to understand a place of strength um, and where they are in terms of when that fan base comes here, that this is not necessarily a sum of some game and this is not necessarily an equal um, game where you traditionally see folks just do a home and away series. You may need to make sure that you put a 
financial numeric number on that based on data that you can show another AD of saying, hey, I need you to understand this, and this is why I'm going to ask for this if we're going to do this matchup. But with that being said, this is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, B.J. Jones, A.D. Drew. Um, we'll be right back after this quick break. Zero Sugar, Sunday, August 29th, 4 o'clock, NRG Stadium in Houston, featuring the hottest HBCU marching bands, Southern University, Lexington University, Tennessee State, Norfolk State, North Carolina and State, Texas Southern, Bethune, Cookman, and Jackson State. Don't miss the battle on the field and the stands with scholarships. Over $500,000 in town for our HBCUs. It's an HBCU experience you don't want to miss with a weekend of activities with, with the Cracker Barrel, Barrel Step and Stroll. Pepsi Zero Sugar Emerging Experience, Esports, Masterclass, and Gaming Tournament, and the free Pepsi Zero Sugar College and Health Fair. Tickets start at just $15. Get them right now at nationalbattleofthebands.com. It's the Cracker Barrel National Battle of Bands. Sunday, August 29th, NRG Stadium, Houston. Gates open up at 2.30. Also sponsored by Cricket and HEB. NationalBellOfTheBears.com. Get your tickets right now. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. Texas Southern takes on Prairie View A&M for the Nick Durley Traveling Trophy and the Labor Day Classic on September 4th. Tickets available online at tsusports.com slash tickets. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports This is Dr. Bill inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, B.J. Jones, as well as A.D. Drew. Uh, with that being said, I know, Drew, you wanted to add a little more to that um, conversation. So before we get into the Edward Waters, Florida Memorial matchup, go ahead and make your second point. All right. Uh, going back to the uh, stadium size, there were seven instances where both institutions, the HWCU and the HBCU had similarly sized stadiums. And I consider similarly sized stadiums uh, capacity within 1500 of, of each other. And in five and a half of those seven times, the HBCU on the road drew a larger attendance capacity wise than uh, where the HBCU was was the home team. And I said five and a half times because there was one instance that Ken pointed out where the capacity was exactly the same percentage-wise in those similarly, you know, similarly sized stadiums. Nice. Great breakdown of the analysis there when you talk about that. One thing I was saying off the mic that I will tune in before we get into Florida Memorial is 
we have to be careful about seeing blackness or African-American or Africanness, if you would allow me to use it, Africanness as a deficit. Uh, when some people say that as a deficit model, uh, when I look at it, I already know my place and where I feel um, I am in terms of who I am historically and currently. So it doesn't bother me to look at numbers and understand that sometimes numbers in a Eurocentric framework may not work out in such a way that you feel that you're equal. That's fine. But from a business perspective, take the data, understand your cultural relevance, and then push it in terms of a way that you can control the narrative and the focus from a business perspective of how you want to move forward in your organization or your institution. That's the last thing I'll say right there. Let's go back to Drew, and then we'll go around uh, amongst the fellas and break down some of these games that we've seen yesterday. We'll say hey, the big matchup, yes. Let me, let me throw this out there before we go to Drew. Uh, apparently, you must have uh, awakened all the MEAC fans this morning because I'm getting texts out of the woodworks. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. <laughs> so, so is that the hornet nest? Delaware State hornet nest in terms of the MEAC? That we, yeah, we, this, my, my father is all of a sudden awakened. <laughs> yeah, you do that rock, but nobody here is hiding their hands. We understand where we are clearly about that. We're going to get into that in the second half to let all those men and folks revel in the excitement as they well deserve. Um, and if you know anything about the SWAC, which is interesting in this side of the country, the SWAC gives it to their own members. So um, it wasn't just the MIAC fans giving it to all four or the SWAC. It was the SWAC members giving it to all four. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way we roll down. It, it's serious like that. But before we get in too much fun with the MIAC, and uh, thank you for all those who are jumping on. We have a robust crowd today. So uh, it, it is one of those things. You said good morning. Yes, we're in the house. We're going to give it to you. A.D. Drew, let's take it down for those in terms of Jacksonville. That was an exciting matchup. I mean, it literally went down to the last seconds of the game. Started off slow for the first half um, um, with Florida Memorial finding a way to get it done. It seemed like they were going to ruin the day. As Edward Waters University now was opening, uh, debuting their new stadium. They were excited, rightfully so. A great crowd on hand. Uh, ended up being a terrific matchup. What did you see in that game? Uh, well, first of all, I start off when I pulled up uh, to the to the stadium, and Lord forgive me, they just named the stadium on Thursday, so I don't know the official name of the stadium yet, but I know it's something somebody's community field. But uh, when you pulled up, there there was a great atmosphere. I got there maybe thirty minutes before the game. Uh, Brian got there maybe about an hour or so before the game, so. Great atmosphere, just like anything else when it's your first time doing it. There were a few logistical issues because people didn't know where to go to enter and where to go stand in line to get tickets. And But the staff down there at Ever Waters was great as far as pointing people in the, in the right direction. It, it was just it, it was just amazing. And just like any other HBCU game, there were more people outside than there were inside. And you probably had about a 90% capacity inside the stadium. Don't know what the official attendance was in the game. Have not, did not come across that number in the box score. Uh, 
but uh, it, it was about a 90% capacity. Get it, get it to the game. Uh, Florida Memorial took the opening kickoff and went, went straight down the field like Ever Waters was still uh, in, the, in the scrimmage. And they just diced them up like they had Edward Waters' defensive playbook. And in, in about seven, eight plays, if, let me look at the drive chart. It was, uh, you know, two minutes into the game, you had Florida Memorial up seven, six, six to nothing. Why do I say six to nothing? Bad snap on the ensuing PAT. That's going to be the theme of the day as I continue on with my uh, breakdown of, of this game. Then on the next kickoff, on the kickoff, Edward Waters receives uh, the, the return man goes to the house. Here's the problem, fellas. Not one, not two, but three handkerchiefs on the field. Oh, no. So they all, penalties offset, re-kick. You know what he did, right? He went back to the house on the next kickoff. <laughs> went on the left side the first time, went down the right side the second time. And yes, on that second run, the monkey jumped on his back at about the 30. The problem was the gorilla jumped on everybody else's back and they couldn't catch him. <laughs> but guess what? Another handkerchief on the field. This time oh. against Kevin Waters only. So they had to bring they had to bring it back. First, to sum it up, first half is what you expect. For Actually, for two teams that actually played at some point in time last year, it was a very sloppy first half. Penalties, false starts, you name it, we had it in the first half. I think there was three times where you got called for 12 men on the field on defense at the snap. Uh, and... and, and we had block punts. We had we had a uh, we had a pick six. We had a fumble six. You know, we had some of everything in this game. No, now the field is named Nathaniel Glover Community Field and Stadium, as you were referencing. I'm glad you pointed that out, and that is significant uh, because when you talk about Nathaniel Glover, he is an alumni of the institution. He was also a sheriff uh, in the community. Um, so he is huge in that community uh, in terms of what he has been able to do uh, for Edward Waters um, University in terms of that. Uh, uh, fascinating to me. Huge moment for the city of Jacksonville and state of Florida when you talk about uh, the opening of this stadium, paying homage to alumnus of the uh, university. I thought that was really unique when you talk about uh, how they put all that together. Um, with that being said, let me go to you, B.J. Jones. What were your thoughts in general in terms of that game, particularly when you talk about how it went down to the wire? Uh, Edward Waters got it done. Scoring yeah, I mean, with, uh, 16 seconds left in that game, the crowd erupts. What are your thoughts? Uh, man, first of all, man, the facility is beautiful. Uh, you know, Edward Waters has been putting that out uh, on social media all week. Beautiful uh, facility. Uh, they – they just got through by the skin of their teeth. Uh, and, and if you're an Edward Waters fan, coming into yesterday, bringing in a new facility, new coaching staff, I think you may be a little concerned. Because uh, last time we saw Florida Memorial play, they, 
they uh, were not impressive, uh, to say the least. Um, so, Edward Water fans, you know, they might be concerned, but just keep in mind that this is the first game. Uh, you know, first game under a new regime. Uh, it, it was going to be sloppy. It was going to be ugly. The main thing is that you that, that you won. But I was shocked by the score uh, because I expected, you know, Edward Waters to win this one by a few scores. Charles, how about you? What do you say about this matchup? I love what uh, B.J. Jones said because you're right. That field, if nothing else, when they went in there and said that we're bringing football back and we're going to do it first class, the momentum that Edward Waters University has, changing the name of the university, getting to Grant um, as they move in from the NIA to the NCAA Division II. Those that follow all HBC knows that was in progress. They finally got the official word, and now they become a, an official member of the NCAA. And they are the only, and I love the way they're branding this, the only HBCU in the state of Florida that operates at the Division II level. Uh, they always talk about the first HBCU in the state of Florida. They are brilliant in terms of the marketing component of that. So, Charles, take it in either direction. What are your thoughts on Edward Water University? You know, as a college football fan, I think it was uh, fun. And we just saw the pictures up there uh, for your home crowd to get that exciting uh, first win. And you talk about the renaissance of, of Edward Waters College, the Edward Waters University, to the, uh, bringing back football to this field turf. And to get that exciting ending like that, uh, couldn't be happier for their fan base to, to get that win against Florida Memorial. So, you know, all, all uh, aspects are pointing up for Edward Waters are getting into the season. But what better way to bring in uh, sort of this this renaissance uh, of Edward Waters football, his first game, great crowd, great atmosphere, and then you get the last second win, and that's what college football is all about. Great points made by all. Let's take our second break. We'll get back. We'll touch just a little bit on Kentucky State uh, and Central State. That is a rivalry game played as a classic. Unique style because they'll actually play twice. This one did not count in the conference standings. The next one will, but it'll be fascinating to see whether – uh, Central State will be able to turn things around because it was not working out in their favor. With that said, this is Dr. Bill inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Our Sunday edition uh, has us joined with B.J. Jones, the football analyst. Check him out every Wednesday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time as he debuts uh, last week his show. He will continue to do that throughout the year. He's part of the BCSN, the network. So join if you want to get it from a podcast version, that's my BCSN, my JBN. Join us. We will give you your latest and greatest. And we're still working on two other big names to come into the fold of BCSN. We will dominate the live platform where you can see HBCU talk. And if you got folks that are on the BCSN and you want to join the team in terms of that sports talk, people that are already doing it, you need to reach out to your counterparts and say, hey, you might want to be part of the network that's taking things to the next level. With that, I'm Dr. Bill inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, B.J. Jones, A.D. Drew. Stick with us for the second half of the show. We're really going to get into it a little more. You saw it just touching on it. We'll be right back after this break. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. 
We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. It's the show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's, it's the, the pregame. pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready, because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame. Yes, that sound means it's time once again for the 36th annual Labor Day Classic. Featuring the Prairie View A&M Panthers versus your Texas Southern Tigers for the Battle of the Lone Star State on Saturday, September 4th. Kickoff, 7 p.m. at BBVA Stadium. Don't forget the halftime battle of the band as the TSU Ocean of Soul take on the PVAMU Marching Storm. Tickets are available online at www. .tsusports.com slash LDC tickets. Let's bring the Knicks Durley Traveling Trophy back to its rightful home. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support myjbn.com backslash support for more information. This is Dr. Bill inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike is in with the team. I told you, second half, we're going down. We got B.J. Jones, A.D. Drew, in terms of the analyst, bringing it to you nice and live. Let me give some shout-outs for all those true uh, lab lecturers getting in here. Giving a shout-out, special shout-out to the MEAC folks, Lonnie Shaw, North Carolina NP. You see, he still has some love for the MEAC, or is this just uh, a tad bit of concern for Alcorn? Today's lesson, how to beat Alcorn one-on-one. Coach Oliver was in Coach Washington class. Oh, my goodness. Alcorn lost the game because they should, couldn't tackle Caleb in there. Dwight Moore's in the house. Uh, Reginald Johnson, Charles Bishop, yes, sir. You all got me on hooks. Appreciate you, Reginald. Gentlemen in here, that's Brother Johnson. Uh, I understand. Reggie Watson says, watch our ESPN HBCU football here to stay. No doubt about it. Amos and uh, Fawcett, Michael Ford. Uh, Arnold is on here. Reginald Kennedy, William Booney. Boney, excuse me, Lonnie Shaw, as we said, Willie Bowden. Carlos Brown is in the house. I'm eating crow next week. Oh, yeah, it's going to be humble pie. Nelvin Short, embarrassing. Woo, tough. It's tough out here. North Carolina Central running back number zero was killing them. Alan Malone says, Creole style. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I know some people shot in earlier, Jamie Walker. It took their lightning delay to get Edward Waters University charged up. Is that what it was? Okay, I see you listening. Uh, Will Maslin Sincere agreed very sloppy in terms of what Wildmeyer says, Florida Memorial, biggest fan, in my opinion. With that being said, 
let's get back into it before we really get into the North Carolina Central Brave matchup, the MEAC Swag Challenge, Swag MEAC Challenge. I guess now we can just call it the MEAC Swag Challenge, the way that ended up uh, not going the Swag's way. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'll leave it at that. With that being said, let's sneak in here a little bit. Go up to the Midwest, Kentucky State Athletics in terms of what was going on there. Kentucky State, thoroughbreds. Charles told everybody that listened to him, he has enough of Kentucky State. He believes uh, in what they can bring to the table. And he said, uh, y'all can keep playing around if you want. They got it done. Uh, 20 to 6 over Central State. Uh, they really jumped out early. First quarter took a 6-0 lead. They added to it in the second quarter with another touchdown, going up 13-0 at the half. Central State finally gets on the board in the fourth quarter as neither team scores in the third. Uh, but as they get on the board with uh, six points, Kentucky State adds another touchdown. So that's your final score, 20-6. to six. Kentucky State gets it done. As we said, this is not a conference matchup, although both teams are in the conference in the same division, um, and so they'll play later this year. Uh, let me yield to our football guru and analyst, uh, B.J. Jones, to kind of start it all off. What are your thoughts in terms of this matchup? Uh, Kentucky State did what they needed to do, um, and I kind of felt like they would, you know, they would win this game. Most people would call them the favorite going in. They run an offense. Uh, that is difficult to stop because it's something that you don't see every week. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not accustomed to seeing it, it's weird. Uh, defensively, you have to play assignment football. And if you don't, they will gas you to death. Uh, and defensively, they, they play a, a solid ball game. Um, I think Kentucky State uh, could potentially be a, uh, a dark horse in the SIAC uh, this year. I know a lot of people talk about Miles College. A lot of talk, people talk about Savannah State. Uh, maybe this is the year you see the return of Tuskegee. But I think that Kentucky State uh, could very well be a dark horse. And they didn't show a lot. Uh, they didn't show a lot. They didn't really get a, uh, unique in blitz schemes or, or anything they did defensively uh, because they have to play this football team again in a conference matchup. Uh, so, you know, look out for uh, the thoroughbreds of Kentucky State. Charles, let me go to you. You're familiar with Kentucky State. Uh, Very familiar. Uh, as, <laughs> as you like to say, too familiar. So, too familiar. Exactly. Uh, you called it very early. You said, hey, that option, first game of the season, you don't want any of that. Uh, with that said, maybe we're looking at this backwards. Central State found a way to hang in there uh, uh, in terms of what can be an explosive offense. Total yards, 322 for Kentucky State and 260 for Central State. Charles, what do you say about this game? Uh, you know, I, I thought uh, Kentucky State didn't, you know, uh, maximize the opportunities in the red zone. They were one four. But I always look at the rushing yards with Kentucky State in the time of possession. They just keep you off the field. They're going to always win that, that time of possession uh, uh, deal with that uh, option attack, that <laughs> wishbone attack. But, I mean, uh, 322 yards rushing. Eventually, that, that wears you down. And you get your opportunities off of that. Fifty-one attempts, uh, rush, uh, fifty-one attempts rushing the ball, three hundred twenty-two yards, only four pass attempts. Uh, you know they 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 can physically just rough you up, and eventually that's what happens in Central State. So uh, hats off to Kentucky State, man. Uh, like BJ said, you're not uh, accustomed to seeing that funky, weird wishbone stuff, that 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 flex bone, that option, if you will. And it's it's assignment football, assignment football, and one breakdown can. Can can spell doom for 
Amos says, is this your king? Is this your king? I think he's talking about uh, Alcorn State and North Carolina Central. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Boy, <laughs> these folks are having a field day. I love it. A.D. Drew, Kentucky State won this game and had zero passing yards. <laughs> uh, Central State had 126, more balanced, but not enough for them. They rushed for 134. But obviously, if Kentucky State had 322 total yards, did not pass any, they rushed for 322 yards. Um, they had 13 penalties, 112, versus just 47 penalties uh, yards. Uh, for Central State, just five penalties. So they played a pretty clean game, but it wasn't enough to get it done against Kentucky State. AD, your thoughts on this game? Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with Charles. You know, you have to look at the time of possession and uh, the, the, the rushing yards. But also, let's think about how both teams are built today. Both teams defensively are built smaller on the back end, quick, fast because they have to be able to cover all the different routes four or five wide so now when you have a team who like to likes to bruise and keep the ball up the gut and then get you in space both teams are not built defensively to stop that anymore both teams do not do not have the talent on campus to stop that anymore because they're not even doing that in high school anymore. So uh, at least if right. you saw it in high school, you, there might be some muscle memory that takes you back to how to play this type of a uh, scheme. But everybody is, is running five wide in high school now. Everybody did with, well, so most of them running with success. Some of them should go back to old school football, but I'll just, I'll just leave it at, at that. that. That's that. That's Kentucky state's advantage. They're doing – it's like when the passing game first came along, when people first went five wide, the running back – you know, everybody had all these linebackers. Now, nobody has linebackers. That's why Kentucky State has this advantage. Another great point when you talk about that. That's like going back to Mississippi Valley State days when they first came out with all that uh, passing different formations and things in nature. They certainly had an advantage in um, – in a lot of ways, maybe that's something Mississippi Valley needs to consider in terms of the difference of the scholarship that they're going to have to do a little bit differently. But we'll see because it looks like Coach Danzy has them certainly heading in the right direction. With that being said, Mike, you're in the house now. What were your thoughts on the Kentucky State-Central State matchup? I, I echo kind of what's been said before, but I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. It, it is Central State. They finished what two and four, zero oh and six, <laughs> at best maybe third in the south part or the bottom part of the SIAC. It's a game. Kentucky State plays a, a weird offense. It slows the offense down. It's wishbone, so they're gonna gobble up time on the clock. So let's pump the brakes on. Let's see, get a few more data points. My perspective, <laughs> get some more data points. Not the data points again. <laughs> Oh, Mike, he's killing us with these data points. I love it. <laughs> with that being said, we're going to take our last break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to get into what everybody wants to talk about, a little bit of the MEAC Swag Challenge. We'll get in knee-deep, starting with the football analyst guru. He's going to bring it first. So let's tease him as we get ready to take this last break. 
Dr. Mills inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop, BJ Jones, and AB Drew bringing it live in action. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. The inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic is personal to me. It's more than a matchup between Tuskegee University and Fort Valley State University. My beloved father, Colonel Lawrence E. Roberts, was a proud member of the Tuskegee Airmen. 922 brave pilots, also known as the Red Tails, fought in World War II. The Boeing Red Tails Classic is more than a celebration of HBCUs. It's a reminder of the Tuskegee Airmen's valor and sacrifice, the first class of black fighter pilots who trained at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama during the height of Jim Crow, fighting for America, while in many ways, America fought right back against them. This inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic, this football game, is for them. And it's quite special that this game, which will be played at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, opens the 2021 college football season on Sunday, September 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. When you watch this game, please remember its larger meaning, that it's for a group who advocated for themselves while still facing prejudice and discrimination in the segregated army. The Tuskegee Airmen story hardly gets told enough. I, proud daughter of a Tuskegee Airman, join others who champion their legacy and how they influence generations of black cultural and political leaders. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. Southern takes on Prairie View A&M for the Nick Durley Traveling Trophy and the Labor Day Classic on September 4th. Tickets available online at tsusports.com slash lbctickets. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, Charles Bishop of the pregame show, B.J. Jones of Inside the HBC Football Go to the lounge. If you want to sit out in the lounge, you better join B.J. Jones every Wednesday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. He'll give you two impact or hour. Then you got none other than A.D. Drew with Sports Rap. Brian and A.D. as they bring it just like they can none other. With that being said, let's get into it. Uh, Some people are coming in with the information. I think, Charles, you talked about this. Carl Edmonds says Alcorn lost four offensive linemen, and three defensive linemen from 2019. That's where they lost the game. They certainly did not get any push on the defensive side. Um, Offensively, they could not move the ball uh, like many people thought they could. Charles pointed this out. B.J. Jones talked about the offensive line, trying to wake people up to give them an understanding, although I think people still thought they were going to find a way to get it done. First quarter, it looked like they were going to go in that direction. Went down the field, put in a touchdown. Looked like they were in another good position, uh, did not score, and they left the gate open, uh, as many people talk about. And Central, the Eagles swooped in, 
soared in, as they like to say, and they made sure that you're going to leave it open. We're going to take advantage of it. Let me start with the football guru as we talk about. B.J. Jones, what angle do you want to go with this matchup here? What were your thoughts? Before I get started, let me be the first to apologize to all the good people of North Carolina Central. <laughs> I said, and I said this confidently, that Alcorn would cover the 13-and-a-half spread, and they would cover it easily. I expect to see a close first half, and then Alcorn pull away. I gave your football team no credit. I apologize to Trey Oliver and his staff. Yep. Now, because we've got that all out of the way, <laughs> uh, Alcorn has some issues, okay? Those issues first start on the offensive line. Alcorn can actually run block pretty good. Um, if you look at um, Alcorn, they actually average 5.7 yards per carry, which is pretty good. The problem with Alcorn on the offensive line is pass blocking. Yeah. Oftentimes, they don't know who to block. They don't know when to block them. And the the disturbing part of your Brave fan, when it's one-on-one in pass blocking, they just simply can't block. So it ain't about what's up there. It's who's up there. There's a talent deficiency up there up, there, up front uh, for Alcorn. Okay? Uh, Felix Harper was trying to do too much. He had a couple of reads where he should have gave, and he, he decided to pull it out and throw it. Uh, turn turn the ball over. That that one turnover was was crucial when the ball slipped out of his hand. Luckily for Alcorn, uh, the kid from Central fell on the football. They won the scoop and score. Uh, defensively in the secondary, they are missing Quintero Cole. Quintero Cole was an eraser uh, back there. Quintero Cole is not he's not back there anymore. Uh, I think that. Uh, five is actually a, a good ball player. The corners, uh, there's room for improvement. Let me just say that. There's room for improvement at the cornerback uh, position. The linebackers, oftentimes, they get lost in space, and they don't tackle well. All right? Uh, Richard Freeman, Titan, and Curry combined for 39 carries, 207 yards, for North Carolina Central. All right. Also, in the past game, Felix Harper, we talked about, you know, the debate between him and the him and the Quill Glass, who was the best quarterback in the conference. Felix Harper yesterday went uh 17 to 27 for 154 uh, yards, only 5.7 yards per uh attempt. Uh, he had Richard from NC Central who went 16 to 25. 184 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown. Uh, he had an interception, but he had to put two on the ground. Alcorn looks like a football team that hadn't played in two years. But if you're an Alcorn fan, listen to me. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. You don't know who North Carolina Central is. For all that we know, we could be looking at the, the MEAC champion. All right? It's early to tell. Everything that's predi- predicted in the summertime are projections based on these how these teams did the year before. Central brought in 42 freshmen. That's a uh, almost a new football team, okay? Relax. Alcorn has not lost a conference game. Everything that was before them, before the season started, still, still is attainable, still before them. 
this football team can improve. And until we get into mid-October, they're still there. Now, I will say this. You got uh, uh, you got Northwestern State, South Alabama, and Arkansas Pine Bluff, your next three. You better get that shit right quick because what you don't want to do is go 0-4 or 1-3. Hey, BJ, real, real quick. Uh, you're saying with regards to North Carolina Central, that roster flip really was a, a talent acquisition sort of deal for for Central. Not the same kind of talent acquisition that you had in Jackson. Not the same. These are kids who were actually on the roster previously, red-shirted, and they signed. They wouldn't hire guns. But it was a good one. I'm not talking about the numbers. You can make the numbers say what you want them to say. You can yeah, make the numbers I'm glad you didn't let him get away with that, B.J. Jones. <laughs> I'm going to go to Mike next because he looked like he was in church this morning. Uh, time, all I was waiting for him to say was amen. He looked like amen. he was in, inside the HBCU sports uh, church. Likes uh, <laughs> him in there just waiting. He hit, hit, hit hey, amen. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Let me, let, me, let, let me also Please. start by saying to the North Carolina Central fans where Mike was wrong. I said the two-touchdown lead would go to all Alcorn. I was wrong. Having said that, and like BJ said, I've gotten that out of the way because I know Dr. Cavill was going to pull that up. This is what you said, Mike. You said two-touchdown, Alcorn State. Mike was wrong. Having said that, in the first half, Alcorn left about uh, 17 points on the board. They paid inefficient. You can't win going one for 10 and third-down conversion. You just can't do it. Felix Harper, um, there were times in the, in the second half, his, he was off the target. Um, there were some points that you covered, BJ. In addition, I'd like to add to that. It just seemed like Alcorn was not prepared for this game. And if you were at the game, I don't know if you saw it on TV, they had a lot of cramps. Folks going off the field, cramping issues. So there was a conditioning issue as well. They played – defense. I don't know if this was a weakness in their secondary or what, where they had one cornerback playing man-on-man, the other cornerback playing off. I don't know if it was one one strong cornerback, one weaker cornerback, but that's a weird defense. Um, they looked weird. And if you look at, talk to some of the Alcorn State fans, uh, I went down and I was like, you know, <laughs> just, just to hear what the barbershop talk was in the stadium, they were like, stick to the run, stick to the run. They tended to get away from the run, and if you notice, they blocked well from the run. I mean, they have a great uh, running back duo in uh, Sanderson uh, and uh, uh, Duffy, but they tended to get away from it. Um, they're bread and butter. So you're like, you know, what's going on? So, And then on the defensive ball, their secondary just looked lost at times. As you mentioned, their, their linebackers busted coverage. And then, of course, you throw the conditioning factor. You wonder, does two years plus conditioning, did that factor in today? But I will say that I will lend to the fact that Alcorn State lost that game more so that NCCU won it. They played NCCU. Yeah, they played a very efficient game. If you watch the game, North Carolina Central played efficiently at time. They had more turnovers. I think they had 14 turnovers. I mean, 14 penalties, I'm sorry. But they played efficiently where it counted. Whereas if you look at Alcorn State, they made mistakes at crucial periods of time. They went two for four in the red zone. 
Um, and I think relax. It's one data point. That's my data. That's my term. It's one data point. I think this is still a very good team. I think they're coachable, but they just were not prepared for this game, and it showed up consistently. So I, I don't. I, I can't go back to the conditioning piece, though. You had players hobbling off with cramps, whatever. So you had Coach McNair running down the sidelines screaming at folks missing assignments. I've never seen Coach McNair run down the sidelines screaming at folks that much. So so that's that's kind of my take on it, my initial take on it. Another points made there. Uh, you saw Coach North Carolina Central uh, looting the water bucket. He played and Coach Well all game. Everything went his way. But there were some crucial plays. We saw earlier the fumble. Uh, that could have went for pick six if they were fortunate not to get. But that's some of those points coming off the board that you talk about, Mike. Uh, the cramps, yeah, they show those on TV. Charles said that quite a bit of time talking about, man, look at who's cramping up, who's who's hurt yeah. there. But I really like the way that you talk about North Carolina Central being efficient. Uh, but that's what it takes to win games. Yeah. Uh, is, is to their credit, they did what they needed to do at the point. I thought also in some ways before I pass it to Charles to get his thoughts uh, and, and see if I'm wrong with this. In some ways, it looked like the Braves were chasing uh, all the prognosticators' thoughts on the game. Instead of playing the game, they were chasing the game uh, at times instead of playing through the game uh, as hearing that they're supposed to win big. So it seemed like they always were looking for big plays. Um, they took the lead, um, as Stephen A. Miller says, he kept waiting for Alcorn to turn it on, and they never did. There were points where I thought they'd turn it on, and then they just got away with what they were doing. They took the lead uh, as Central pull, got in there, and you thought, wait, well, maybe Central is going to pull away themselves, and uh, uh, the Braves were in trouble. Alcorn State jumped back in there, took the lead. He was like, okay, uh, it's time for them to do what they did, and Eagles efficiently did what they needed to do. Um, and that punt return, boy, whoo, now that – Close the door. That, 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 that was a nail in the coffin. That was one of the nails in the coffin right there. The body well, completely Charles. Yeah, I mean, first of all, let me let me give a shout out to the to the valets at the Miag winning hotel. Uh, because y'all made a little bit of money last night, as we've seen with the at the Miag uh, party hotel. Yeah, yeah, y'all get to kick it at the Miag party hotel. Uh, I mean, collectively that's, that's I, where we stayed the last couple of years, you know. Like, right. We come in there pulling for the swag. We like this at uh, you know. This is where it's been hot. So until we yeah. figure that out and things change, we stay in with the MEAC hotel. Yeah, I, I mean, to follow up on everybody, you know, our, our collective swag arrogance got the best of us on this one. But, I mean, in, in, in reality, let's call it what it is. It's an upset. North Carolina Central, last we saw them, they, uh, they were below 500. And we're talking about the Swag West champion. So this, this is uh, a legit upset uh, when you take a look at what Central did. I think, uh, Dr. Ville, you made a great point in terms of, of – of, how the game flowed for Alcorn, uh, trying to get that big play. We saw that big chunk play with Stanford Anderson, uh, uh, that 68-yard run. That get, that that tackle was was a game saver because that was a missed field goal. So you, you just talk about little things uh, along the way there. But, I mean, when you take a look at this game, um, uh, Alcorn, to me, they just got away from what I thought they were doing best, and that was running the football. Uh, BJ, you touched on it. Um uh, their pass protection was pretty poor last night. I think I've talked about uh, they were placing quite a few linemen across the front, four offensive linemen across the front. Uh, defensively, 
Uh, I thought they wore down in the second half. Uh, Mike, you talked a little bit about the conditioning. And when you talk about North Carolina Central running for 200 yards against them, uh, that was huge. But, um, you know, to echo the point, I mean, it's, it's game one. And uh, our collective swag pride took a, a one-two last night. Uh, but you, you take your hat off to the Miac. You take your hat off to North Carolina Central. You take your hat off to, to Trey Oliver uh, in terms of the game plan that they had last night for Alcorn and, and making Felix Harper throw the football. Um, I, I thought they got after him pretty good. They hit him early. And that's something yep. that you have to do in terms of uh, trying to rattle Felix Harper because I think he's a, a pretty good, one of the better passers in the swag. Uh, but it's game one. I think Alcorn still has their goals in front of them. Uh, they'll be right there toward the end uh, with regards to some of the things that I thought they can do. And they still got playmakers. Still got Juan Anthony. Still got LaCharles Pringle. So it's game one. Collectively, our swag pride is going to took, took a little bit last night, but it's, it's going to be all right. I think it's going to be all right. We'll see all form right here at the end. Hey, Trey, Trey Oliver rubbed that, that pride into the swag. He As was, well, he should. He should. <laughs> yeah, hey, he, he deserved that. He deserved he it. He so. did it at the end of the game, and he did it in the press conference. Um, I think I text you guys some of his quotes, but, man, he rubbed it in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all's fair and in, in, uh, to the victor uh, go to spoils of war. So uh, no no problems with that, Trey. And nice uh, way to elude the uh, Gatorade bath at the end. But, yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> you win the MIAC Swag Challenge, man. Bathe in that in that victory. That's what you got to do. Yeah, Speaking great press point made by Mike. all. Let me, let me let AD jump in here. But with that being said, um, you have Amos jumping in here and said, let's be honest, guys. The swag is not physical. Um, Dwight Moore says that's a false narrative just as all MEAC teams aren't physical all SWAC schools are physical however some MEAC teams are physical just like some SWAC many people talk about generally speaking Alcorn State is a, usually a very physical team they are what they ever do they so are. it's going to be interesting to see what that is Barrick Williams says Amos Fawcett Southern is a very physical team Jamie jumps in here Central's quarterback made plays when he had Davis Richard we talked about this all night. He played extremely well. Bell Glade, Florida, as I turn it over to A.D. Drew, uh, I wonder what the rest of the SWAT is going to think about some of these Florida quarterbacks. Well, we got two Florida schools coming in, so you might see more of them. Uh, they are intriguing to watch. So, A.D. Drew, what are your thoughts on this matchup as you saw? I'll get ready to play that clip that Mike sent us last night. I played in our coaching strike for several years, but we played good football in the media. Um, I know we lost uh, uh, North Carolina A&T, FAM, and Cookman, right? But we've won championships since the last time two of them schools won one. So we played good football, and we will continue to play for good football, or at least in Durham, North Carolina, we will. Mm. Coach, thank you. Appreciate it. Wow, wow, wow. Go ahead, AD. Uh, first of all, Everybody in black media needs to apologize to North Carolina Central. Number one. Number two, I got I got some I got some pills and a thermometer here <laughs> because it, it is apparent that Alcorn State is allergic to the city of Atlanta because they yeah. just can't go there and perform. So we need to get them some medicine over there on the reservation. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, seriously, looking at the game. And some people say we need to make sure they get some cleats as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was a shoe. You know, 
I'm going to use a basketball analogy and a boxing analogy as I, as I make my comments very briefly. You ever been at a basketball game when a shooter hits that first Steph Curry three? Yeah. The rest of the night, and they keep shooting from Steph Curry land, and that's the only one that they hit from the night from 25 feet? That was all corn. They hit, they, they hit that first jump shot. And then they couldn't hit anything else. They couldn't throw the ball in the ocean the rest of the night. Also, and I've said this on uh, some other shows, it, it, it kind of goes back to the Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier scenario back when Ali had his title strip. Alcorn had their title stripped from them. They did not lose it on the field. So they came out, thought they would go, still be able to do what they were going to do, and maybe didn't work quite as hard. Remember, Ali lost his... Uh, first real fight after he uh came back from his suspension yeah great point yeah same, great point. same, same thing with same thing with the uh brave lost their real fight and one thing i want everybody to look at this year looking at some of these games look at the coaches who took over in the summertime that means after the spring season versus those coaches who took over in the traditional time that either played in the spring or had spring practice. And now we got to throw in another factor. Look at the coaches who actually took jobs in 2020 and had a whole year to prepare those teams. Let's see how those teams do throughout this season, especially early. It's, it, 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 I, I'm starting to notice that the, te- that the coaches of teams who took over in May are not as far along as we expect them to be at this point in time, just based on uh, the time in the system. Great points made by all. Rapid fire, last thing we'll do before we close up, I'll get each of your opinion as we uh, get into the tic-tac-toe, if you would, of the framework. How far does the Alcorn State Braves fall out of the top five? Do they even fall out of the top 10? Let me stick with you, A.D. Drew. Do they fall out of the top five, out of the top 10? What you say? De- de- definitely out of the top five. I actually vote in my in my poll, in the media poll. I actually voted Central 8. Now, I'm, I, now everybody sees why I voted uh, Central 8. Uh, I don't care where it is, but Central better be ahead of Alcorn in the next media poll. That's my comment on it. Do they jump in the top five? Yes or no? I don't think uh, uh, Central not, not quite top five, but Alcorn needs to be below Central. I think Central could, could come in about a six or a seven, where Alcorn needs to be down there about nine, ten, uh, possibly even receiving votes, because they did not look good. AD, uh, this is what we call rapid five. Mike, okay. t- out of the top five, out of the top ten, the Central sneak in top 10, top five. Yes, Central sneaks in. Uh, Alcorn sneaks out of the top five, still in the top 10. Charles, Alcorn out of the top five. Do you put them out of the top 10? Where do you place Central? Alcorn is still a top 10 team. You might drop them out of the top five this week. Uh, I think Central, uh, with that performance, they at least should get some look-see into the top 10. So uh, kudos to Central. B.J. Jones, the football guru. 
All going out of the top five, ten central. Where did they land? Alcorn is definitely out of the top five. Uh, I would put Central somewhere around seven or eight, uh, six or seven. Nice. It'll be interesting to see. Dr. Ville's inside HBC poll rankings will debut on Tuesday uh, in terms of week zero. So we'll see what they think there. We'll get the mid-major poll ranking. A lot of things happening in that. We'll see what that looks like. Uh, you will not get some of the national polls until after week one. But we want to make this interesting and keep the topic talk up going on. So I want to thank everybody for jumping in here. We have BJ Jones inside uh, football, HBCU football lab as he tells you to come into the lounge. That's every Wednesday at six o'clock. But AD Drew with the sports wrap. Check them out. All of us on BCSN and you know where to find us Tuesday and Thursday and now Sunday right here to give you the breakdown of what took place on Saturday. We have a big lineup for next uh, Sunday. Uh, we'll get into more talk about that during the week. So stick with us. Thank you for listening to Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab, inside the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Uh, Charles, where can they find you and get your stuff or some of the other things that you're getting done? Oh, no doubt. You can uh, come catch uh, me on the pregame show uh, on our YouTube channel, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. But uh, we will be hiding heavy this uh, upcoming week from Miami, Florida, from the Orange Blossom Classic. Uh, and, of course, the main thing is the main thing. Uh, 90 minutes prior to Jackson State kickoff, it is the pregame show. No doubt about it. Mike Washington, what do you have going on around you? 1876 Sports and Culture, baby, starting this weekend. Releasing uh, the first uh, uh, season two, episode one, on Tuesday, the uh, 31st. So look forward to a season two with uh, 1876 Sports and Culture. DJ Jones? Hey, uh, you know, inside HBCU football, you know, uh, Wednesday. Uh, so right there in the middle of the week, we'll be uh, looking at the week ahead. Uh, the games are coming up this weekend, a lot of key ball games. Um, and uh, you can usually catch me on uh, Friday uh, with HBCU game day, man. Tyler, me and Tyler usually will drop some gems, so be on the lookout. Nice. Also, I heard in your show that you're going to bring in a little bit of that culture and bring in some band talk, which brings me to the fact today we have another big event, national HBCU Battle of the Bands will be today in Houston. Uh, my son Deuce is excited because I'm make sure that he's going to go get check that game out. He's right here making sure that he's prepared. He's already dressed. He plans to take his hat as he's going to be in full <laughs> gear, ready to go. So I thought I'd share with some love there. Uh, you can come sneak in here, son, and we're at the end of the show. Everybody wants to see and be a part of. It. Tell everybody hi. Uh, this Deuce. is these uh, all your uncles out here get putting in their work. Uh, so with <laughs> exactly it's Uncle Mike. Alpha Mike. There. there you go, Uncle Charles. Alpha Charles, getting you done. AD Drew, where can they find you? Actually, we'll be on tonight. Uh, we're going to come on an hour earlier than we did uh, last week. We'll be on at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 o'clock Central Time, for a two-hour edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap, our Sunday edition, because the pregame show, weather permitting, will follow us tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central with their uh, with their reaction show to the debut of Prime tonight. So uh, you can catch me on uh, on Sunday and 
we run a, we run a midweek show also, usually on Thursdays. So. Great points made here. And again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop every Tuesday, Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time, as well as Sunday at 9 a.m. Wake up for us before you get going to church. That's 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. You'll have this team and this group bringing you hot and heavy the news of what took place on Saturday. So look forward to it. We look forward to you next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. In fact, follow the whole team. Let's get it going. It's football season. We'll sneak in a little bit of that volleyball, women's soccer. It's going to be hot and heavy. We'll keep you on all the HBCU news right here inside the HBCU Sports Lab 1. That's Twitter. Uh, as we have G. Boone Holly, he'll have some great pictures from what they got done. Um, and on Tuesday, Mike will give you some more information as he was in Atlanta. So he'll give you some of the cultural aspects of what took place there. Uh, he went out there and saw the game day uh, Home Depot as they did it nice. Facebook inside the HBC Sports Lab, YouTube, you know, like, subscribe. Let's do it big. Dream big and continue to move forward. Uh, we will save it for B.J. Jones and A.D. We'll make sure we keep them out of trouble. We will talk with you soon. So, Charles. Of course. Mike. Lecture. Dismiss. Prayers to those in uh, the storm's path. Yes. Absolutely. Prayers to everybody out there. Be safe. Stay strong.